Just before this episode starts, we promised we'd give a quick shout out to those of you who successfully deciphered our social media clues and correctly identified our special guest that would be joining us in this episode. A big well done to Art Hernandez, Harry Stevens, Chris Phillips from the Ballhawks podcast and Charlie Wilson. Well done all, now sit back, relax and enjoy this very special episode of the We Talk Seahawks podcast. We're going to Detroit to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turning handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole. Keeps his legs moving. He's across the 40. Midfield. 45. He's on the run wings. 40. Pushes the man. 35. Look at him go. He's down to 20. 15. He could go. He is going to go. Touchdown Seahawks. Oh my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch. Unbelievable! The beast is alive and well! Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's gonna throw down the middle. He's got a man! Come on! One! Game over! It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I'm sure you are doing well this week. Um, another win for the Seahawks. We'll talk about that in a future episode as well. But tonight... It's a special one. Uh, we've got a very lovely guest joining us tonight as well. Before I introduce him, though, as Pez calls him with my uh, my boxing sort of intros that I give to the special <laughs> guests that we uh, that we get on here. Um, Pez, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Spot Looking on. forward to this conversation. Yeah, as we all are. Yeah, Josh, how are you? Yeah, fantastic. Suffering with COVID, but I'm, I'm over the hump, so I'm, I'm doing all right. My voice is a little bit I sound like a teenage boy, I think, in my own head, but I don't know how I'm going to sound on this, so I'm going to wait and see how it, how it comes out. You sound absolutely fine, mate. You sound lovely, lovely Thank hearing you. your voice. <laughs> um, and like you say, of course, we do have a very special guest joining us tonight. Um, he is the founder of Zoning CBD. He's got his very own podcast, Believe in Seahawks, that he does. Um, look, this guy, I mean, what can we say? If you, if you grew up in this sort of well, mid to mid to the 90s and starting following the Seahawks through the 2000s and everything like that, you'll be very, very well aware of this guy. Um, helped evolutionise the linebacker position that we know it as it is now. Um, the Polynesian line himself, absolute legend of the game. Most, one of the most well-loved Seahawks players that have that have ever pulled on the blue and green. It is, of course, Mr. Lawford Tatubu. Lawford, first of all, thanks very much for joining us tonight, mate. And how are you? Oh, man, quite the intro. I appreciate it. Thank you. It. <laughs> I'm I'm lovely as well. I'm doing 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 great. Good. That's 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 what we like. That's what we like. Um, but yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna fire away some questions at Lofa. Um, and obviously we'll like I say we're all very much looking forward to this. Uh, we can't wait to get into it. Um, so Josh, do you want to take it away with the uh, with the opening question? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, oh yeah, thanks again, Lofa. I mean, this is um, see, we've chatted a couple of times, but I mean, I really want to delve into sort of the 
your coaching and your sort of relationship with with coaches sort of aspect of it um now obviously pete coached you through college he coached you in the nfl i wanted to know like how how that was first in college and in the nfl and if there was any sort of differences because i appreciate you go from being a college student to a professional athlete and does the interaction change yeah no um, i think it was refreshing to see that you know the energy and you know all the the positivity that he he leads from it wasn't it wasn't just for show and it wasn't a gimmick it was it's genuinely who he is and um you know, that it was uh, when we got to the NFL, it didn't really change too much. The messaging was still the same. It was um, and, you know, and I, I was excited because I knew I knew it was about to happen. I didn't know if I was going to stick around long enough because it was already towards the end of the career. <laughs> but I knew I knew something special was about to happen because, you know, Pete's great at building, building, you know, the foundation and, and sustaining it. And so um, he's had he had a great day or so at SC and then he's done the same here just got his 150th win yesterday um that kind of success doesn't happen unless you really have a passion for what you're doing and have a you know great understanding of uh of the relationship with the players as you're saying and uh and you know an understanding of the game I mean he's a great teacher of the game awesome that's that's cool uh, that, that that was basically it for me I, I wanted to like from being a coach myself and going from that coaching people from a certain point up to a different level that was brilliant just just to know that he's the same all the way through is brilliant well i think and then you know since we're talking coaching talking coaching um i did get to spend two years as a coach for him uh in 15 and 16 and um just you know you want to talk about a relentless work ethic there there are very few competitors and i'm talking like not just other coaches right you know, I mean, there, there's other great coaches in the history of the game, but as a competitor, as an individual, as a man himself, he leaves no stone unturned, man. If there's a chance to get better, an opportunity continually to grow mentally, physically, spiritually, like he's, and especially that's what he's trying to, you know, help bring to his his, his players. And so, um, man, it was an eye-opening experience. You know, I, I knew the coaches worked hard, but when I became one myself and saw the commitment and, uh, you know, his unrelenting attitude to get better was, it was incredible. And I think that helped me, you know, also in my, my personal life and, uh, you know, to, to see that up close. Awesome. Last one. Yeah. Thank you very much, James. I believe you have got a question for Lofa. I absolutely do. Um, for me, Lofa, it was about your rookie season, obviously quite the rookie season, just, just the Super Bowl appearance. Um, but as a 23 year old sort of, I just wanted to know what sort of how were you able to keep those like emotions in check? Because obviously making it to a Super Bowl, it's every you know kid's dream, every player's dream that that, that grow up loving loving the sport of, of football. Um, so just how were you able to sort of control those emotions on Super Bowl day, and, and just what was it like to play in that game? Yeah, I mean it was incredible. Um, when I think back, you know the journey. Um, is always what, you know, because of course the game didn't go the way we wanted, right? It happens, such is life, right? And uh, I think the, the good thing about that is I can say it was some things that were out of our control. <laughs> you know, and I'm talking about the refs in particular. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, the yeah, emotionally, um, I don't know. In the biggest games, I always seem to play my best. I, you know, I don't know why. I just, uh, 
for some reason I was really able to, um, it, it, not that it meant more to me, but I was able, I was more calm and more relaxed for the big games, which, mm. you know, that's not, you know, the same for a lot of people. Um, and so that week controlling the emotions wasn't, wasn't too hard. I think what I had the benefit of over a lot of guys was I was coming off of two straight national titles. And so I could see how, you know, the thing that we kept in mind when we were on those national title runs was that just the next game is the next game. It doesn't matter if it's the national championship or, you know, even a scrimmage, you know, we try to treat all the games the same. And I know how cliche that sounds, but it really, it really helps you, you know, stay in the moment and not get, you know, uh, overwhelmed with, with what's going on around you, the media circus, all the things that they try to like, you know, they blow it out of proportion because at the end of the day, it's just, it's just another football game. And uh, yeah, I guess the stakes are a little higher, but um, you know, I think that that was what was how I was able to, you know, compartmentalize and really stay in the moment was, you know, we, I had played in a, several big games before that and uh, it just felt like it was the next game for me. Yeah. So like you say, if, coming from sort of competing for national championships at college level to then competing at first, you know, the Super Bowl, is it sort of, do the players see it as the sort of like the the same sort of like standard, if you know what I mean, in terms of like the same sort of wanting to achieve it? Like, you know, see it with, you know, college football is is massive. It's as big as American football and, and the NFL in, in the sense of the, the fan bases and the, and the and the people that go and see it. Is it is it as big? Well, they're, they're both they're both great in their own right. You know, the national championship hardly ever do you get to compete for a national championship back back then when there mm. was only number one versus number two, hardly ever did you get to compete for it without, you know, you had to be perfect, no losses, no yeah. blemish record. And so that's what made it so hard and so beautiful in its own right. But I always loved the playoff system. And I mean, I played a division one double I played a university in Maine before I transferred to SC and every school system underneath division one. So one double a division two, division three, they all have a playoff system where, you know, 12 to 16 teams enter the field and the best team wins. Right. And yeah. so the beauty of that is, is that there, you know, there's no complaining. There's no like, oh, well, we were undefeated because that's what happened back in the day mm. in college. Like when we won the national championship, there was a bunch of guys from Auburn that went 14 and 0. Right. Yeah. And they, they played probably the toughest schedule in the SEC and they didn't get to compete for the national title. And so, um, that's what makes NFL and, and playoffs so beautiful is that it's like, man, you, you know, you can't say anything at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's any given Sunday too, because, uh, you, the matchups, that's what, I mean, is so awesome, you know, the seating and everything, but you have to go on the road to, to, to win it. And you got to do mm -hmm. it. It's that's, there's nothing like playoff football. I'll say that. So while the championships of, of, uh, you know, college days are great because, you know, you had to pretty much stay perfect. The the competition and the aspect of the, the playoffs is is unbelievable. It's it's a yeah. it's a whole nother level of intensity. Um and, and we're starting to see it even with the Hawks right now. Mm. Um the last two weeks, man, that defense is flying around. The offense is doing whatever it, it takes to, to get it done. And uh and so you know, we got a big matchup with the Rams coming up. I'm excited about that one. But um but yeah, and the they're both, they're both awesome in their own right, but playoffs, man, there's nothing like it. No, I can imagine. Um, and just a second one from me. 
In terms of, we listened to your podcast from last week and you, you mentioned that Leroy Hill was your favourite ever teammate that, that you played with, the linebacker. Um, so I just wanted to know, sort of, is there a player or a certain couple of players that you think you learned the most from? They might not have been the, the, the guy you liked the most, you could have hated him, but did, was there anyone who really stuck out to you in terms of like who taught you the most and, and stuff like that? Um, yeah, so on defense, I got to say, um, you know, I had a lot of great mentors in that in that room. Um, Jamie Sharper, uh, Kevin Bentley, Didi Lewis, you know, all the other, Nico Kudavides, all these older guys were great, you know, big brothers to me. And they were they made the rookie season very fun because I've I've heard other stories of friends where they're like, oh, man, I had these vets and they weren't they weren't cool to us. Right. We were just mm-hmm. rookies. And, you know, it's so it's unfortunate. But. These guys were like big brothers to me. And um, I want to say, you know, Kaz, Isaiah Kazimetsky really helped, uh, you know, break down the playbook, you know, with me. And he like he t- showed me and like and not every time I came to the sidelines, if I had a question, he'd be right there. And he, he had the answers. You know, there's a guy from yeah. Harvard. He, he knew the whole playbook inside and out. <laughs> That's the biggest thing that, you know, a lot of rookies don't grasp is, is the, the, the change in terminology and the and the, the playbook. And so um you know shout out to Kaz because he really helped me a lot with that and then you know from a leadership aspect I'd say probably um Grant Wistrom you know he was um uh no nonsense you know no bullshit like hey you know we're gonna work our ass off we're gonna, you know, this is how we beat the other team and and that's pretty much the train of thought that I came from at, at Southern Cal so it's no wonder that you know he won a bunch of national titles in Nebraska back when he was there. Mm. And, uh, and he also won a Super Bowl title with the Rams. And then on offense, um, a guy that I, I, you know, really gravitated to because he was always beating me in pass coverage was uh, Bobby Ingram. Um, man, this guy, he was just so crafty. He's just a, a true student of the game that, he helped me get a lot more interceptions because, you know, he was beating me in coverage. And, and I was always like, ask him, Hey, like, what do you, what do you see when, you know, when you're going over the top and then you catch one on me and, you know, it's just little things with the footwork and, and the hips and mm. like it locked out. And so these little details, they make for big differences. And um, so, you know, had a bunch of great, you know, mentors. I mean, that whole offensive line, you know, Tobeck, Chris Gray, uh, Locklear, Walt, Hutch, two Hall of Famers right there. Uh, mm. Hasselbeck, Sean Alexander. I mean, you, I couldn't have came to a better situation um, when when I look back, because it doesn't matter how good you are or what. If you don't have help and you don't have people that are committed to the team first mentality, it's um, it's going to be tough. And and I, you know, forever grateful that I, I ended up here. Awesome, Josh. Do you want to go again, Matt? Yeah, that that leads in really well. Like where I said, I'm going to go for the coaching. So obviously, you've learned from some fantastic vets. You've played with some amazing players. How do you think that has sort of benefited you with the transition from playing at such a high level to coaching at a high level as well? So I mean, as a as a, you, you can correct me on this, an assistant linebacker coach, I I'd attribute very much to me being an assistant rugby coach. I specialise in certain areas. Yeah. Yeah, where where would you say obviously all the teachings from those great players has helped influence the way you coach and how has it benefited you? I think uh, they they all did a great job of leading, whether it was vocally by example, you know, and they showed 
me and all the other guys what it looks like and what it is to be a leader. And I think that's as a coach, you're in a position to lead, right? And so, um, and and a lot of people, what they don't understand is leadership is about relationships. And you know, especially as a coach, you know, your obligation to that student is to teach him as best you can. So you gotta you gotta learn the learner and figure out how best because every we all learn differently, right? And so um, how best to get that information across. And so, um, you know, like I said, like Walt, Walt was just, uh, you know, he was a leader, but he was a silent leader and he was just outworking everybody's, you know, Um, Grant, he always knew the right things to say, like he could feel the mood. So you pick up all these little details of how they lead and then you, you do it best not to imitate, you know, you got to be yourself and it's got to come from a genuine place. And so, um, you know, I felt like that, that, that was how I learned to lead, um, you know, through these guys. And then I took it over to coaching was, you know, just that, you know, asking the guys like, Hey man, like, cause there was, you know, some, some guys you could give a lot of information to, you know, like, like I, I got to coach KJ and Bobby, right. I mean, yeah. two of the greatest to ever put on the Hawk uniform and, uh, you know, KJ was a guy who was always like, hey, hey, what about this? What about, I mean, I'm talking a thousand questions, like, you know, very inquisitive, super smart dude, um, incredible. And Bobby was real quiet. It was like he was just taking it all in. And, you know, and I knew he got it. And, and if he didn't, he always said something. But um, he was, you know, very, he, he took all the information in. And, you know, I was like, I was very careful to give too much because I was like, you know what, Bobby, like, your game is really like fine tuned. And it wasn't that he didn't want to get better. It was that he was not, not a finished project, but pretty, pretty damn close. I mean, the guy was I, he should, first ballot hall of famer. So in that regard, you don't want to do anything to take away what makes him special. So it was um, two very different relationships and, um, and two, and two guys that learn very differently. Right. So um, I think that's how you, you approach my approach to coaching was and learning from all these great veterans and, and how I could, you know, put it into uh, the, the coaching field. Yeah. See, uh, I, I agree with you. There's, there's a fine line, isn't there, between being that coach who wants to improve people then coaching out what's special. So like I said, with Bobby, he's coming to the league and he's just, he's perfecting that position. Like I said, he's a first ballot hall of famer. You don't want to take that away from him by going, actually, I think you should be doing it this way. When the way he's doing it is pretty damn spot on. No, there was there was some things like, for example, um, you know, because a, a you know a player, even we, as we are all players, you know, you don't care how much a coach knows until you know how much a coach cares, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I I kind of waited to see if they were going to come to me and ask. You know, because I didn't want to, they were, they were already doing great. It wasn't that I wasn't going to coach them, but it was going to, I wanted it to be on their terms. Right. And so, um, when, you know, KJ came to me and then the next thing, you know, I, cause in man coverage, I was like, KJ, this is the opportunity where you can, if your running back is sitting in, run through his face and go make the sack. <laughs> and the next thing, you know, KJ had like five sacks and I want to say four of them was when he was supposed to cover the running back, he wasn't even supposed to blitz. But it's just, it's about creating opportunities, right? And so, you know, Bobby started to see that and he started to do it. So while he didn't ask me, he he did take to the knowledge and he did take to the teaching. Um, 
but again, like with, with, I was so apprehensive to, to, to really go to those guys because not that I didn't think I could add value to them, but you know, we were already going to Super Bowls, you know, uh, they were, they were knocking on the door of Pro Bowls, you know, KJ had just about to go, like he went to 2016, Bobby had been three times already. So, and the worst thing you could do to an athlete is make them overthink, right? You don't want to take away, like you said, what makes them special. So we, two of the most talented and they study the game hard, go for it, you know? And then if we run into a mistake, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's, 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 you know, there's 60, 70 plays. If you've had one bad play, you got to move on to the next one. And I think that's, that's something that they do a great job of not staying, staying down or, or getting overly excited about making a play. It's like, okay, it's on to the next one, on to the next one. Right, thank you for that. That's, that's pretty much summed everything up that I wanted to know. And um, Pez, we're on to you, my friend. Um, is there um, in the future in the pipeline? Are you thinking of getting back into coaching? Is that something you'd like to do? I, I want to be involved in football in some capacity, whether scouting or and working my way up to GM or coaching. You know, and and maybe being a head coach one day. I my kids the time commitment was just too much. I had two two boys. They're seven and ten right now at the time. They're you know two and and five, and so it was just like it was a little too much time away from them. And um, you know, with kids, I don't know if you guys have them, but this, the only time they listen to you is when they're little. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I got the most of this time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you come and tell my daughter that? <laughs> yeah, my son. My son's just turned three, and he he thinks he's about. 15, does what he wants. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, might be a British American thing. It might, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> um, just talking about the linebackers, and it's uh, led into the question. I've got kind of a two-parter for you. Um, it was about, obviously, everyone's talking about, is Bobby going to retire soon? Is his time coming up? That's the kind of thing you're hearing. Discussions happening now. Um, we've say Bobby out of the picture, how do you, being an ex-linebacker and being a coach at the position, how do you see the group without Bobby moving forward? Uh, I don't, honestly. Um, it's, um, you know, it's something you don't want to think about. Like, it's like, I didn't want to see KJ in another uniform. And, um, you know, just like, you know, we don't want to see Bobby or Russ in another uniform, but I know it's inevitable down the road. I think he's under contract for one more year. I know it's a high price, but, um, I mean, you look at the production he's got right now, like you said, going to break, you know, Ray Lewis's record. And, uh, you know, it's just awesome to see him, you know, do these things. And, uh, you know, just if we could, if we, if that is like what we're forced to do and we are forced to move on, I I think you just, you got to get, you know, the, the monsters up front on offense and defense line, And because, um, you know, back when we did win it, when we were competing for it, you know, year in and year out, 12, 13, 14, 15, um, even all the way up to like, what was it? 17, I think where we were, in, you know, deep into the playoffs. It's um, <clears throat> we were stacked up front um, with, you know, me, Bain, McDonald, Cliff Averill, Mike Bennett. Um, those two guys, perennial pro bowlers, they were on the bench in the Super Bowl, like they were, they were, they were not starters. Um, you know, that's how crazy it was up front. You, you had Tony McDaniel, um, 
I'm Chris Clemens and Red Bryant were the starters. So you think about how deep you are up front. And when you have the monsters up front to just own that line of scrimmage, it's, it, I'm not going to say it's easy to do what linebackers do, but you know, it's easier. And then I haven't even talked about the Legion of Boom roaming the, the secondary Cam Earl, Browner, Sherm, uh, Maxie, um, Walter Thurman. It was just, it was deep at every position. And then, you know, like I said, um, the linebackers, man, they, I mean, they were just wreaking havoc across that middle. So I think that's the formula that, that if we're, if we're forced to, you know, eventually start over. Cause I, I don't think, I still think Bobby's got at least two to three great years, especially, I mean, you look at the production he's having right now, yeah. he's got two to three great ones in him. And I think even if, if he wants to play because he's been healthy, that's what's been amazing about him and Russ, you know, I know Russ had the finger this year, but like, the things that they've played through and to play 10 years with like missing one start insane. And, uh, but I think if, 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 if that's going to have to happen, um, uh, hit the reset button, the, the room, the room's going to look drastically different, but you're going to have to, you know, put that money back into the, the O and D line and, and, you know, get the run game going and get back to the dominant days of defense that, that we know up here. Yeah, so um, would you say, like, because obviously um, they drafted Jordan, Jordan Brooks. Now, I technically, I'm, I'm not that, like, knowledge-wise, I'm not technically, like, he's come under scrutiny, hasn't he, with his coverage this season. But the things I saw when he was in college, like, surely is he not just waiting for Bobby, like, to either retire or if they say the salary cap hit, was this year is he not just waiting to move into the middle to show his truth i'm i'm he is the you know the the future at middle um he's he's kind of playing out of position you know at at will linebacker he was he's a true mike backer um but you know what's what's got me kind of confused though is because really the coverage responsibilities of, of the things that we're running they're not that different than what we're asking Bobby to do. Like they're, you know, both hook hook droppers. And so, um, you know, he's got, he's got a guy that's done it for 10 years and, you know, he's just needs to study Bobby's Bobby's film in terms of, you know, coverage. And, um, and cause he, cause Jordan's got that, he's got the, the run game down, man. I mean, he's what mm -hmm. he's up there at like 130 tackles himself too. I think he's only like 15 or 20 behind Bobby. Um, yeah. But yeah, and coverage, that's that's something that can be fixed. But he was when I look back at his film coming out, he was predominantly a rush downhill linebacker. Yeah. Go get it. And uh, and I do love that about his game. But um definitely needs a little more help in the coverage uh department. But you know, I think I think they could screw that up. But yeah, to answer your question, I believe that he is the future at Mike. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a couple years from now or what when it is. Um, but I think they drafted him. They played him at will, even though he's not, he's, he's really a true Mike because I, I thought really, I thought the Hawks were going to go Patty queen right then. Mm. You know, I thought they were going to get the kid from LSU and I thought they were going to plug him in at will and keep him at will. And I thought they would address the Mike situation like a year or two, like maybe next year's draft, you know, to try to groom somebody under Bobby, you know, but, um, because there's nobody better to learn from at the middle backer spot than, than Bobby. So um, that was, I don't know, that was kind of confusing to me. And, I mean, as you pointed, maybe that that's where they're thinking. I don't know. 
Yeah, so, um, would you say then, just because I'm a big fan of Jordan Brooks, so someone who has a bit more knowledge than myself, just like pluck your brains without putting any words in your mouth, would you say it's more of a, like you said, with Bobby being there and like being able to learn from him, is he just not picking it up as quick or is he? I think it's tough when you're asked to do something you didn't, you know, habitually do in college you know when you take a guy that was you know i mean jordan jordan had a hundred hundred uh five tackles in college he had 25 tackles for a loss so you know that that spells to me that this guy was either being blitzed or you know just go 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 i didn't see many clips of him in in coverage and that's what kind of concerned me um you know about when we, when we draft him, it's like, okay, but, but I really don't believe I, there's a lot of guys, David Hawthorne, remember him? He was, uh, he was uh, a downhill go get it when he was coming out of TCU. And, and they told me, they're like, ah, you know, he's going to be, you know, a project or a tough, tough, uh, to get him to cover. Man, just working with him and like explaining some things to him, you know, about, Hey, with this formation, this is what you look for. This is, this is when you're, you're threatened as a hook defender, you know, in that middle coverage, you know, and, you know, okay, now he sees it a little quicker and now he's picking the ball off. He ended up with like eight or 10 interceptions. This was a guy that they were like, ah, he needs a lot of help and coverage. He got it. He got it down after one year. Like, you know, like he didn't get the opportunity to show it because he wasn't starting yet. But by that second year, when he was starting, he had a couple interceptions and I was like, yeah, I told you he was capable of this. Like, so, you know, I, I don't think, it's something that can be rectified, and I think I think it will. Oh, that's good to hear <laughs> for me. Um, my the second part to my question is obviously, as fans, the biggest talking point of this year before the recent games has kind of quietened everyone down is like the things you're reading on social media and like news reports about rifts and about the current state of the club. I was just wondering what your interpretation or opinion of it the whole situation is as uh, a whole it, it's hard you don't know what's real and what's not and i mean that's you know the media's job is to report on oh so and so's not happy now in the off season that was you know cause for concern right uh when when not russell but his camp you know they said hey he doesn't want to be traded but the, here are some teams that you know he, he wouldn't mind going to but, um, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't really like to speculate just because, uh, you know, what if we get to the end of the season and nothing happens? Like, what, what if we go to the playoffs and, not, you know, you know make, a, make a run here and, and then all, all that's behind us? So, you know, I kind of like uh, – I'll speculate on that stuff when it, it's about to happen or it doesn't. Happen. Uh, I, think, I think this group – still realizes they, they still have a chance. Mathematically, we are not out of it. So um, I think they're going to continue to fight as they always have. So is that is that you saying there that we're going to go nine and eight, is it, and make the seventh seed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm well, confidence. Just, I love it. When it happens, just remember I told you so. We'll have to oh, get you will. in for one of the uh, – we do a section at the end of each of our podcasts, Positive Pez, because I'm either ranting – or I'm overly optimistic. We'll have to get you in. <laughs> we'll have to That'd get you perfect, in. Put it yeah. on the, 
just just another one from me, Lawfer. Uh, we mentioned a little bit there about Jordan Brooks and potentially like you know struggling in coverage at times. Obviously, as a linebacker yourself, you know you prided yourself on your sort of your coverage skills for that position at the time. Where we're, we're we're brilliant with your interception numbers and stuff like that. Um, so I just really wanted to know, sort of, is there a sort of a certain receiver or tight end or someone like that that you just really couldn't cover or like really had trouble covering? Like, who was the hardest player that you came up against in that sense? Well, you know, I mean, you're matched up against everybody in zone, right? You know, yeah. it could be a tight end, it could be a running back, it could be a wide receiver. Um, so I tell you, I, I, there was never anybody like, oh, I just can't cover. But yeah. Like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to, there wasn't anybody that was just <laughs> continually beating me until I, like, I was like, to like where I was like, all right, I can't cover this guy. <laughs> but I'll tell you, like, a guy that was really impressive. I mean, obviously, Fitzgerald is, is amazing, right? All the records. But Anquan Bolden, this guy, you know, he wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the strongest. He, he might have been the strongest, actually. I'll, I'll give him that one. <laughs> that guy was so strong. But he was like maybe 6'1", 2, 220, 225. And he wasn't super fast. But his hands, I mean, if it was in, you know, like he, he could one hand catch, you could, you could be tight coverage, like the quarterback, nah, he's not going to throw this, like, and he'll just catch it with one hand. And so that was a guy that I don't care who you were, even if you were right next to him, you know, like his shadow, he was still mm-hmm. catching the ball. It was, it was impressive how, uh, you know, to have two guys like that, Fitz and him, I mean, that was that was, but mostly I was matched up on running backs. And and if I have to like say who was the best running back, it's tough. You know, Marshall Falk, even though he was like in year 13 or whatever, I mean, he was still unbelievable. And, um, you know, they, but they were all tough. Marshall Falk, Kevin Falk, um, you know, from the Patriots, Darren Sproles, um, Daniel Tomlinson, he's just the list goes on. Westbrook from Philly, I had to cover him a lot. So, um, yeah, there was never a guy that consistently beat me, but I'm not going to say I had a, a you know a winning record against all those guys. <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> we're, we're probably all like 50 50. <laughs> off, off the back of that question, I've, I've got, I've on our pod over the last few weeks, I've, I've banged on about sort of tackle technique and how some of the players seem to be lacking in it. Now, yourself in your position, it's obviously something you have to specialise in. And leading on to this, who would you say would be the hardest person you've had to tackle physically? When you hit them, you have gone, holy shit. And when you've tried to tackle them, you've gone, how do I tackle this guy? Fred Taylor. Uh, tailback from, wow. from the Jaguars. He, I mean, Fred's probably about 6'1" about 230 235 and i don't think i saw anybody if he broke into the open field i don't think i've ever seen him get caught from behind that's how fast he was and so he's got the moves he's got the power it was um it was it was it was hell yeah good luck is like pretty <laughs> was because he could outrun you he could juke you it was uh so and i mean there was a couple times we we went head to head and it was it was it was a dog fight man um that that one for for me, I mean, because there was a lot of guys that, that were that were tough, man, um, and that were hard to tackle, man. It's the NFL; everybody's good. Yeah. But that, I mean, you go back and look at his highlight film. I mean, he was 
he was juking and running over the best of us. <laughs> what type of player? I attribute it in, in rugby when, as a what we call fat boy forward, when you see one of these skinny quick backs run past you and you just think, I'm never catching him. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe Pez has got one final question. Yeah, I was just going to uh, ask you about your CBD company and how that all came about and what gave you the idea to create it. Yeah, um, I mean, I could talk for hours on this subject, uh, but <laughs> I don't, I don't want to bore you guys. But, you know, my, my career was, you know, drastically cut short because of um, concussions and surgeries. So, um, you know, everybody, whenever I talked and they're like, oh, what, you know, what would you play like 10 years? I was like, man, I played five years and five games. Like, if you really think about it, you know, it's uh, it's crazy how, how, how short. I mean, I know the average career is three years, but it just it goes by like that. And it went by even quicker because of the injuries, because you just couldn't do what I used to do. And, um, you know, 10, uh, 15 concussions and then 10 surgeries um, over my six year career. And, I, you know, I didn't realize how damaging the the concussions were. They almost led to some of the surgeries because of the mind body connection was just deteriorating. And so, um, you know, even my my first three years, even though I didn't miss a game, um, didn't miss a start until year four, I, you know, continually had to do everything I could just to get ready. I mean, like I'm talking just, I had three or four air concussions each year. Um, the, the most notable one was probably the NFC championship game against Carolina where, I mean, it just looked like we both died on the field, but somehow I got to my feet like, like a, like a boxer, right. When they get knocked out it's the reboot it's it's well yeah the body yeah. naturally is like all right well we we usually get up anyways after a play so. <laughs> but like you know mentally man i can laugh now but i mean that that those those kind of hits they started to lead to some some things that you couldn't see so like um no pun intended i had fluid in my macula and out of my right eye i think it was a hit in the 2007 playoffs i had um like it was just I got all these, you know, cobwebs or whatever, or, you know, you know, those, the stars, you started seeing the stars. And then I was like, okay, I played through it. Cause I didn't think it was that bad. But then like a week, two weeks later, once the season end um, and we lost in the playoffs, I was like, Oh man, like I couldn't tell anybody, but I, I still couldn't see out of my right eye. Like it was just a black dot. And so yeah, I played with that for the next three years. And, uh, it was fluid in the macula and they said it's caused by stress, but I remember the hit that actually brought it about. And, uh, so, you know, with my, my health just deteriorating, I, I retired from the game because it couldn't do it anymore. And, um, I, luckily I got back into coaching here and cannabis is recreationally legal out here. And so I got into the industry on the real estate side, me and a business partner. And, um, the whole time, you know, I, I believe in cannabis as, as a, a healing uh, opposed to all the other as a more natural alternative to to uh, wellness. And um, there's a lot of reports coming out to show the benefits of it. Um, and so I started hearing more and more about CBD as opposed to THC. And uh, I just did my research and I started, you know, R&Ding and journaling and writing down. At the time, I was... 40 pounds overweight. I was in the worst of my health, you know, 
anxiety, depression, all that stuff was, was you know, there. And, uh, and I was just looking for answers about trying to, how to, how to, you know, live a better life. So I finally came upon one, one, um, CBD product and it was, uh, you know, just life-changing. I mean, it started to repair all the stuff that was wrong, you know, with the brain injuries, all the, you know, ligaments and tendons that had pretty much, you know, been destroyed. They started to get stronger again. I mean, all the inflammation in my body started to lessen and, you know, that's inflammation is one of the biggest, you know, um, stress is one of the biggest killers out there. You know, people just overstress and this helps reduce stress. But then also inflammation is one of the worst things that, that you can go through mind and body. And so this is as an anti-inflammatory, more natural anti-inflammatory than, you know, Tylenol and, and all the, um, you know, the opiates like this, man, this is real healing. And um, it, it just brought me back to like right now I'm 235 pounds is what I my playing weight was, 235, 240 I'm back playing basketball every day. I've never been more productive, um, you know, not just in business, but also in my family life and time with my my kids. So I can't not sing its praises enough. And it's become like kind of my my new life purpose um, outside of football, man. I, you know, I always love football, but this is um, this is really giving me something, you know, that I never knew. It's given me peace, peace, peace within and, and, and made me my best. Uh, I've I've got to personally thank you, Lofa, because when we first started talking, I remember asking you questions about CBD due to my various like sporting injuries. And yeah. since taking it, I've seen I've, I've upped my dosage, but I've seen a massive improvement in cognitive, just the the fitness yep. aspect. Like you said, everything is it's helped massively. And it's yeah. obviously but, <laughs> we don't want to be one of those pods that pushes it, but I, I genuinely can see the, the benefit and the difference in it. So thank you, man. That's a lot of your advice helped me there. Just sort of picking well, the right I'm, stuff as well. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. One of them. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are advocating, you know, because, you know, we've been lied to, essentially. That's really what it comes down to. And I hate like you know having the negative spin on it but you know there's so many people that you know, the stigma that comes with cannabis or hemp you know and um you know it's just we've been lied to about the plant and like it's this is this is the plant that's going to save us you know and i'm i'm, I'm very adamant and very you know an advocate be you know for it because man it's changed my life for the better awesome well Great. you might be, you might be a messenger lofa but are you a quizzer my friend Am I a what? What's that? A quizzer. Quizzer? What's that? What are we doing? What are, you yeah. failed already. <laughs> are you good at quizzes? No. That's why I left school early. Right. Well, you're in luck. I became a professional sportsman. That, that's, yeah, why I that's why I went to the NFL. Well, you're in luck. We're, we're a UK-based podcast, so we can't let you leave without doing a little five quick-fire UK questions quiz. Don't worry. You'll be fine. I'm sure. It's not, okay. it's, you know, we're not going to test your degree level knowledge I, or anything I like that. You asked, I like Quiznos, the sub shop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, let's go. What, what, what's a good score for you, by the way, out of five? What, you, what are you hoping for? Ten. That's CBD's working, isn't it? <laughs> right. Number one, who are the current Premier League champions? Um, Ted Lasso's team. 
<laughs> Ted Lasso's team. Well, they were his team were, were pipped to the, the title Richmond. by Manchester City. Yeah, Richmond. Yeah. Is it Man U? Man City. They're noisy ah, neighbours. So wait, wait. What's the difference? What? One's blue, one of them, one's red. Yeah, and one of them's good, and uh, one of them's bad. Okay. Okay. This one, you, you, I think you'll get. What was the score when the Seahawks played the Raiders in London in 2018? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, come on. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. Man, this is terrible. 0 for 2. I'll do, well, I'll do, I'll do the honours because I was there. It was 27 to 3. Nice. We beat them good. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd just come off a night shift. That's what we did. Yeah, you got to ask me scores from like back in the day, man. I'll remember that. <laughs> this one I think you will get, although I said that about the last one, but here we go. It's true or false, a British player has won a Super Bowl. True. Correct. There were five that have won it so far. If you're interested, it was JJ, the most recent one with the Eagles. Other than that, it was OCM in Europe, who, yes, has an American accent, but was, was born in London. Um, Marvin Allen, Scott McGeady, and Lawrence Tynes. Wait, those were the five. Guy is from England. He was born in London. He lived here until he was seven, and then he and then he moved. So, ah. so we're claiming him. We're claiming him. He's on our TV, anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. What is the traditional seaside meal of the UK? Fish and chips. Fish and chips. There we go. <laughs> Two out of five. And to end it on a positive, what colours make up the British flag? Uh, red, white and blue. Red, white and blue. Three out of five. Yeah. That's not bad going, to be fair. It's a, winning, it's a winning record. It's a winning record. Yeah, we're not used to that this season, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, I appreciate you, man. It's been awesome. No, mate, thanks for for coming on. You're welcome anytime. And do you want to give a quick shout out to your your Believe in Seahawks podcast as well while you're here? Yeah, I got got a a Seahawks podcast. So anywhere you get your audio, uh, it's called Believe in Seahawks on the Believe Podcast Network. Um, you know, the, me, Brett Davern, we've been, we've been doing that for about two years now. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I know despite the season's not going the way we want, but we still have fun on there and, and we still believe in the Seahawks. So there you go. <laughs> hope you guys do. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll let you go and we'll let you run and do your, do your charity stuff. Go on, Pez. What's right your uh, CBD, CBD company called as well? Because I never really... Yeah, we still just uh, zone in CBD. So zoneincbd.com. If you have any uh, listeners over over across the pond this way, um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So yeah, learn more about it at zoneincbd.com. Like I said, um, it's it's changed my life and it's changing a lot of other lives right now. And uh, I'm, I'm forever grateful for it. It's uh, my new my new purpose is to keep spreading the mission and spreading the message. So uh, you can find out. You know, like I said, at zonacv.com, find out more about us and our products. And uh, I think that's everything. And uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.